It would be an understatement to say that I am excited about what God has in store for us over the next month. I believe it can truly be transformational in our lives and in the lives of our friends and families. I pray that it is so, but the potential is there. It is like a rubber band that is just pulled back and all that energy is stored up, waiting to be released. And so we've been looking forward to this. We've been praying about this. We've been already thinking about people. We have names up here on the cross. Some of, whom, some of those prayers have already been answered. You see, God's not on our calendar. They've already been answered. God's already at work. God's already doing his thing. And we continue to pray and, and look and, and seek what God is doing. But this morning, I want to talk about today. Today. It's a simple, two-syllable word that means this day. The one that we're living right now, it, it has 24 hours and some of them are already passed. 1,440 minutes. 86,400 seconds. That's a day. It's the day that we have this day. And very soon, very soon today will slip into yesterday's slot. And tomorrow will then become today. Today is centered between the past events of yesterday and the potential events of tomorrow. So here we are, this, this, this is today, the day that we have, and we want to think about that this morning. There's some people who've written interesting things about today. You may have heard the, you know, famous author Anonymous, who encourages us to live for today. Benjamin Franklin, who's almost as well known said, one today is worth two tomorrows. Pretty smart. Bill Keene, the guy who wrote, who does the Family Circus cartoon, he said, yesterday's the past, tomorrow's the future, but today is a gift. And that's why they call it the present. Gift, present. Get somebody to explain it to you. William Arthur Ward wrote, today is a most unusual day because we've never lived it before. We'll never live it again. It is the only day we have. Let your heart dwell there for a moment. It's the only day we have. We can't go back and recapture yesterday. We can't live tomorrow because it's not here yet. This is it. This day, today is the day we have. And so this morning as we read the scripture together, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to listen. There's two references in this scripture to today. And that's going to be our focus as we move now just one week prior to our harvest of hope. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open to Luke chapter 19. We're going to look at the first 10 verses. These will be familiar to you, I think. Luke chapter 19, the first 10 verses. Give you a moment to locate that. 
Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Hear the reading of God's word. He, that is Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able to because of the crowd, since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus, since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down because today I must stay at your house. And so he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully and all who saw it began to complain. He's gone to lodge with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, I'll give half my possessions to the poor Lord. And if I've extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Today, salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Most of us are familiar with this story of Zacchaeus, aren't we? We may have heard it way back in vacation Bible school and Sunday school when we were children. And I guess I should have held on to the kids for a little while because there's a, there's a song that goes with that and they would have enjoyed watching you sing it. Come on now, you know it, right? You gonna, you, will you sing it with me? Here it is. If you know it, sing it. Here we go. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree. And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. Yes, I'm going to your house today. Been a long time since you sang that song, isn't it? The children would have enjoyed listening to you sing that. There's much that we can learn about this wee little man named Zacchaeus. And we could spend a good deal of time on this scripture thinking about Zacchaeus' eagerness to see Jesus, Jesus' urgency to, to spend some time with Zacchaeus, the crowd's response to Jesus' going over to Zacchaeus' house. But, but what I want us to focus on is what I told you earlier. I want us to focus on today. Because that is emphasized in this scripture, and I don't think it's by accident. I, I think God wants us to hear something this morning. So let me give you just a, a really quick overview uh, for those of you who may not know who Zacchaeus is and were wondering, why are they singing that song? Let me give you a little bit of overview. And, and the Bible tells us a few things here. Zacchaeus was a Jewish man. So he was a Jew. He was a, a part of the, of the nation of, of Israel. And we also learned that he was a tax collector, but not just a tax collector. He was kind of one of the head guys. He was a chief tax collector. And so he had other guys underneath him as well. Now, he not only collected taxes for the Roman government, which would have made him in the eyes of his fellow Jews a traitor, he not only collected taxes for the Roman government, it was very customary in that time, not just to collect what was expected, what was due, but if you could get a little extra, you could keep it. One of the perks of the job, if you could get extra, you could keep it. All right? That was the way the system worked. 
We also understand from the scripture that Zacchaeus was vertically challenged. That is a politically correct way of saying he was short. And so we read that when Jesus was coming to town, and Zacchaeus heard about this, that he wanted to see this Jesus. And so you can imagine if he was not liked, and he wasn't, because he was considered a traitor and he, he took advantage of people financially. And so you can imagine that he'd have been shoved to the back. You know, a crowd crowd's lying in the street, he'd be shoved to the back. And so Zacchaeus, with this urgency, this, this, this desire to see Jesus, he does something unusual for a grown man. He found a tree and he climbed up in the tree so that when Jesus came by, he could at least glimpse this man who some said might be the Messiah. Look in verse 5. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down because today I must stay at your house. This would have blown the minds of the crowd. Here are the crowds, they're shouting, they're cheering, they're, they're re- you know, I doubt they're trying to get autographs from Jesus, but I mean, they're, they're crowding around, they're wanting to see this guy. I mean, he's a healer, he's a teacher, he, he's a prophet, may even be the Messiah. So they're all gathered around trying to see him, and then Jesus walks along, they're all focused on him. They don't see Zacchaeus up the tree, but Jesus does. And they would have been amazed that Jesus called Zacchaeus down and said, listen, I'm going to your house today. I'm going to go, I'm going to have dinner with you and I'm going to hang out with you today. They'd have been absolutely astonished at that. Why? Because Zacchaeus was a a collaborator. He He was in bed with the enemy. Zacchaeus extorted money from them. There were people in that crowd who lost money because of Zacchaeus may have been put in the poorhouse because of Zacchaeus. How in the world, if this is who we think it is, certainly a man of God, maybe the Messiah, wouldn't he know? Wouldn't he know that this man was sinful, corrupt, a collaborator, a traitor? And if he did know, why would he go to his house? Why would he go to eat with short stack Zach? But did you notice the urgency of Jesus' words? Look at this. You, you can't read this without seeing the urgency in Jesus. Hurry, he says. Get down out of that tree right now. Because today, I must go to your house. Today. There's urgency here, isn't it? Hurry down because today I must go to your house. And what happens? Well, we read the story. Zacchaeus scrambles down. He receives Jesus. The crowds are astonished. That does tell us a little bit of something about the crowds, doesn't it? Jesus was going to hang out with a sinner. When they looked in the mirror, they didn't see a sinner. But for them, Zacchaeus was the ultimate sinner. He was the, the big baddie. He was the guy on the he was the guy when they threw darts, it was his picture they put on the dartboard. He was the bad guy. And Jesus was going to eat with him. Now we don't know exactly how much time transpired, but from reading it, it appears to be not very long before Zacchaeus came to understand who Jesus was. Now, now you need to get this picture because Zacchaeus is thinking, listen, all I want to do. It's just to see this guy. Could he be for real? 
That's all I want to do. I just want to get up that tree. I'm bound and determined. I'm going to do it. I'm going to see this guy who can be the Messiah because I understand. He would have, he would have understood what Jesus taught. Forgiveness. That there was a God who was merciful. That there was hope. And folks, we live, we live in a generation where people are going about their own lives, living the way they want to do, doing the things that they want to do, sometimes with very little regard for other people. But when they go home at night and the TV goes off and they're laying in bed, they're wondering, is there anything more? Is there anything more to my life than the nice car and the nice house? Is there anything more to my life than the money I have in the bank? Is there anything more to my, to my life than the fun I have uh, drinking a bottle of wine and carousing with my friends? Is there anything more to life? Is there any hope? And the problem is that we as a church have pushed those people away. They're bad. But Jesus says, listen, today, I've got something for that life. I've got something for that person today. And we want to be the channels of that message and that ministry. Of the good news of Jesus Christ and the grace of Jesus Christ. We want to be those channels Yes, it's safer to keep people at arm's length. It's safer not to, not to hang around with people who aren't like us. But that's exactly what Jesus did. He went to the least of these. He went to the people who were outcast, and partly because of their own doing. But when he came, he brought mercy and grace and truth. And it made a difference. And so what happens? Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus has this this moment where he recognizes that he is accepted in the beloved. He is, he is, he's accepted by Jesus Christ. And to, to as much as his ability is, he embraces Jesus. And he has this experience with Jesus. So much so that he says, listen, Jesus, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give half of my possessions to the poor. Now, here's what I'm thinking, and I don't know this. But just from the text, it appears that he doesn't even get in the house. He gets Jesus to his house, the nicest house in town. He gets Jesus right on the doorstep of his house. And he takes a look at this house. This is his life. This is his hope. This is everything to him. This is what he's worked for, what he's schemed for, what he's connived for right here. And, and he's got this on one side, and he's got Jesus on this side. And now he's doing this calculation mentally and spiritually, which has the greater value. This or him. 
And when Zacchaeus, who probably was pretty good at mathematics, when he ran the calculations, he turns to Jesus and turns away from his house. And he said, Jesus, I want to tell you, I'm going to give half my possessions to the poor. And the people I've defrauded, extorted money from, I'm not only going to pay them back, I'm going to give them four times what I paid them back. Now, if you want to know if a conversion is genuine, if it gets all the way to the wallet, it's probably real. Because that's what we guard and protect. I, I remember the story of a, a pastor who once had uh, this guy who'd, who'd finally come to Christ. He was the richest guy in town. People have been praying for him for a long time. He's probably a lot like Zacchaeus. He was, he was now, he'd come to Christ and he was about to be baptized and he was about to step into the water. And he said, hang on. He said, Hey, I forgot my wallet. Pastor said, just keep it in your pocket. That needs to be baptized too. (laughs) Seriously. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What we're seeing in Zacchaeus is a change of mind, a change of heart, change of life. That's what we've been talking about, right? Change of mind, change of heart, change of life. That's what we're seeing in Zacchaeus. This thing has not only affected his mind, it's not only affected his heart, it's now affected his actions. Now look at verses 9 and 10. Today, he said to Zacchaeus and to those listening, today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. Now this explains the sense of urgency by Jesus. There's a timing issue here. Jesus is coming through town. And Zacchaeus, whom everybody thought was self-sufficient, didn't need anything or anyone, Zacchaeus was hungry. The Holy Spirit had been moving in his life, drawing him, pulling pulling him to Christ. He didn't know why. He didn't know what the result was going to be. But he knew, I just got to get to him. I just got to go to Jesus. I got to do it today. And I want you to listen. You've been praying. You've been praying for people specifically, by name, for the last month, that somehow you might build a bridge and connect with them and if not share Christ with them directly, at least bring them where they can hear the gospel. Bring them where they can hear the good news. You've been praying. Now what do you think God's been doing while you've been praying? He's been making them hungry. He's been pulling them. He's been allowing circumstances in their lives to play out in such a way so that they're ready. Do you realize that statistics say that 75% of the people you invite to come to church will come? Think about that. 75% of the people who, who say, hey, listen, if you had a friend invite you to church, would you go? They go, yeah, I would. I'd go. Why? Because people look at their lives and they recognize, you know what, there's got to be something more. 
There's got to be something else than this, than living and going through the motions and accumulating all these things and having all this misery and all this fun. And then at the end you die and they stick your body in a box and put it in the ground. There's got to be something more. And so you think, hey, I've been praying. Okay, we'll see what happens. And God's been working. God's been working in every life, every name that you see on this cross. God's been working in those. And you think, oh, I can't invite that person to church. What will they think of me? I, I can't, you know, it's not convenient. You, know, you can come up with all kinds of excuses in the world. But I'm here to tell you, the timing is right. Today. You've got someone who's spiritually scrambling up a tree just to get a look at someone that they think might possibly bring more. Today. The sense of urgency on Jesus' part. Holy Spirit's obviously been working in Zacchaeus. Seeds had been sown. The water had been applied. And it was time for the harvest today. And this, this story ends with Jesus making this statement. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. Some of you who've been through our Beginning with Grace class may remember that we have a list of core values as a church. And the number one core value on our list is this. Lost people matter to God and therefore must matter to us. It is a reflection of this statement. Jesus came, his purpose, to seek and to save the lost. Don't lose sight of this. Jesus did not come just to be a good example, a moral teacher, to give us some new laws to live by. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And now he's given that mission to us. We're here to seek and to save the lost. In the midst of that, we will feed people who are hungry and we will clothe people who don't have adequate clothing and we will pay a power bill and we will we'll put gas in somebody's car and we'll do all these other things, but that is not why we're here. That is just an expression of our hearts. That's an expression of our changed lives. That's an expression of the compassion of Christ. When we do all these things and we show mercy and we show grace and we, and we do ministry and we help people, those are all good things. Those are all right things. We ought to be doing those things, but it's not the main thing. Why did the Son of Man come? To seek and save the lost. Why are you here to seek and save the lost. You weren't quite as enthusiastic about that as you were about the former. But that's what the church of Jesus is all about. We do not simply want to be a place that hands out goods and services. We want to show people Jesus. We want to call people to faith in Jesus. We want to celebrate Jesus. We are now one week away. We've been praying, we've been planning. One week away from Harvest of Hope. What does this mean practically? It means if we're going to join Jesus in his mission, of seeking and saving the lost, then today, the day that we have is today. Today. If we're going to respond to Jesus' call to come to him to faith, the only day we have any assurance of is 
today. We can't do anything about what we didn't do yesterday. And we can't really guarantee that we're going to have tomorrow. I want to encourage you, if you need to take a step of faith, to embrace Jesus as your Savior, you know God's been working in you. I don't have to tell you this. You know God's been working in you. God's been pulling you. God's been tugging you. He's been creating a dissatisfaction in your life and a desire for more. He's, he's got you on a quest for hope. And some of you, some of you are standing on the edge. God's brought you there. All you have is today. That's it. Will you take the step?